G'day and welcome to another episode of Perth Property Insider. I'm your host, Jared Mann. And today I'm back with part two of our inside story, chatting to Adam Nyold of Rise Property Buyers, talking about rising above our mistakes. Today, we'll be going into lots of interesting stuff to do with Adam's recent project in Leaderville. It's going to be exciting to unpack that one. We're also going to reflect back on how he'd start again if he was back at the beginning and we'll also talk about what we see for the year ahead in the Perth property market. So it's going to be a really interesting episode. Let's go inside. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management specialists servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here is your host, Jared Mann. So tell us about a recent purchase or something that you bought for your clients. Just take us through some of the... um... So I guess um, this is one of my own that we bought in probably December 2020. So it was a development site in Leadable. We bought that one for 980000 and there was 15 other offers at the time Mm. that we had to beat. I think the agent put it on there from offers from... 799 from memory, way undervalued. Mm. But that obviously drummed up a lot of interest and you know, a lot of people fighting over that one because it had such great development potential. It, it was on a street that had uh, the rear part of the block facing onto another street. It wasn't just a laneway, it was a gazetted road. So it was a really great development site, plenty of room at the back with a with a beautiful character home at the front that needed renovation. And were you anxious at all when there was that many offers to pay what you needed to? Or how did you feel at the time? Like, just take us back to that. So, look, I did a feasibility on that property and I just squeezed it right down to where I, the bare minimum that I wanted to make as a profit mm-hmm. margin. From memory, I think that was probably about 18%. Okay. And I had a couple of options with so the property. It's still pretty healthy. I mean, it was a healthy profit margin. A lot of yeah. other investors tend to accept. Yeah, exactly. You know, you'd probably say it goes down to 12 or 15% these days. But um, so I was pretty confident with the price. And look, it was 180000 above asking. And um, so it's not always about the um, asking price, is it? And that's a good lesson to unpack there as well. Oh, exactly. There's so many other factors. And, you know, one of one the investors um, like, oh, wow, I bought it 50 grand under asking. Well, yeah. <laughs> How inflated was their asking or you know, yes. how, how well priced was the property? So. That's right. You've got to have that back up and, and make sure you can understand how to read value in a property, especially in this market. It's ridiculous at the moment. You know, they can put any price on there. It's always offers above hmm. and it's just how much above you want to pay. So you, know, so you felt comfortable in a figure and how did that stack up compared to like what the agent was telling you and what you were feeling from it? He didn't really give any guidance and I think okay. he knew he priced it quite low whether that was a strategy or mistake i won't say because we had a chat about it after (laughs) after but uh anyway um so i went and met the agent so obviously i I didn't turn up to the home open but i said look i want to come on monday because i couldn't get there so i met him privately and we had a great conversation got along really well and then when i put my offer in I, i made sure that the owners were understanding that we were going to renovate the property we weren't going to demolish 
So that was pretty important to me. I wanted to make sure that they knew that because their mother had lived there. They had a lot of family history. So if anyone was going to demolish that site, you know, that probably would have cut them out. So I wanted to be clear on that. And, you know, we weren't the highest offer, but we were the winning offer. So that's obviously the most important. Yeah. What do you think Um, got it over the line if it wasn't, if you weren't the highest price? I think it was a combination of things, having a good relationship with the agent, telling the owner or relaying the, the story to the owner. About keeping the you, place and making that's it right, you know, renovating, yeah. Because at the end of the day, when the owner gets presented all the offers, they're just numbers on a piece of paper. And if there's a bit of a story behind one of those numbers, then there's emotion attached to accepting that offer. So that can always help, doesn't always help, but you know, we always try to create a bit of a story. So to help get the offer over the line. And I think, you know, we had a little bit of a lower LVR. It wasn't, I think it was about 70% and that probably helped as well. Hmm. And you were subject to finance and what sort of, how much did you put on the conditions? Subject to finance was pretty clean, but you know, I don't think it would have been too much better than anyone else's. I think it would have been 21 or 28 days. I can't remember now. Finance and then pretty standard settlement period, three weeks. So the story really helped then. Oh, yeah, I think (laughs) so. The agent, I guess his confidence that you're going to complete. That's right. And a 70% LVR is, you know, pretty strong. You know, there's no lender's mortgage insurer involved. And that's right. It shows that you've got a a fair bit of cash behind you to make it happen. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and I think that's a lot of it as well. No agent wants to sell a property and then realize the finance falls over and have to go back and do it again, you know. Mm. So letting the agent know how strong the finance is really important, you know. So I think Mm. that also goes to help. But So we ended up developing that property. We spent $100,033 on the renovation. (laughs) I think we kind of budgeted 80, but blew out to 100. Obviously, costs were going up throughout that renovation. Hmm. But you know, so what did you do? I've seen some of the photos as you went on uh, Facebook. So tell us yeah, what, you, so what you actually ended up doing. It was a three by one. The bathroom is really tiny and it had that typical sleep out out the back. The floor in the sleep out had a Jarrah. It was Jarrah floorboards, but it was on a bit of an angle. It was sloping, so it wasn't really usable. So we pulled up a few, realized there was a bit of rot in the timber. So we ended up demolishing the entire sleep out. We just supported the roof, demolished the sleep out. It was asbestos anyway. And we demolished the, the rear wall of the house, which led us into the kitchen, if you can imagine. So, and then we reconstructed the sleep out. I think that probably cost about $20,000 from memory to to demolish and and rebuild it. And within that sleep out area, we put a brand new bathroom in, really big bathroom because the bathroom was quite small. And, you know, we wanted to, if you're going to live in a nice renovated home and have a small family there, you don't want to have this cramped little bathroom. So we made a bit of a showpiece, huge bathroom with a a freestanding bath and a nice and large shower area and we converted the original bathroom into a laundry slash bathroom so it turned out really nice polished up the floorboards hmm. we ended up laying a slab where the old Jarrah floorboards were in the sleep out and the idea was to tile over all of that and then tile into the living area but when we got closer to it we realized that you've got two different substructures there and you're going to have movement eventually you're going to get cracking the tiles so we ended up polishing the concrete and it just looked amazing so we had polished concrete butting up to polished Jarrah and it just looked really good yeah cool 
painted the house, redid the gardens, did the subdivision. I think the subdivision costs were about eighty-five thousand dollars, which including moving uh, included moving a power pole. Okay, which was that is the on way. the higher side, isn't it, for subdivision? It is. It is on the higher side. Um, that also included getting DA for for two townhouses out the back. Okay. So we've got the DA, it's all ready to go, but building costs are obviously super high. I think there's definitely money on the table to build, but it's more of a time thing. You know, it's going to take two years to build pretty much from now. Yeah. So we're just kind of mulling over our options now, whether we want to go ahead with the build or... It kind of ties you up a bit in the meantime too. Well, so that's it. That's exactly right. And when the banks know, look at you and if you're trying to purchase something else, it's like, oh, here's this with no income. and That's right. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And that's probably the biggest decision. There's definitely money on the table to, to do the build, but it's really the two-year delay, you know, and it's holding you back from other opportunities mm. and that sort of thing. So we're kind of in the process of making that decision at the moment. Selling land isn't great at the moment. So that's not really, it is an option. And especially in an area like that, the great little blocks. Yeah. So I think they probably will sell, but maybe not quickly and maybe not for the full market value, which is fine. You know, that could be, you know, a really good exit strategy as well. You know, I like to keep things moving. So mm-hmm. always looking for opportunities and, you know, that might be an option just to move them on and, and look for the next one. Yeah. And I guess I, I like to look at what is a property holding you back from. So if you get something else that is going to, you know, be a better use of your money, then you can weigh that up at the time, I guess. Exactly right. You know, it's opportunity cost as well. So yep. you got to break it down on an annual level. How much money are you making per year for two years, you know, kind of, and then weigh it up against another opportunity. There's a lot of thought involved and you've also got the risk of where the market's going to be in two years. Uh, I'm pretty bullish about Perth and I think mm. we're going to be in a good position, but you know, you never know. So you just got to weigh up all of those options as well. Hmm. Great. Well, thanks for taking us through that one. And did you have any other major learnings that have come out of this and would you do things any differently? I've probably adopted a new strategy. I mean, I've Airbnb before, but um, Hmm. just while I've gone on holiday overseas for a few months, but with this one, we've Airbnb the front property and that's been a good learning process as well. So, you know, you hear a lot about high yields with Airbnb, but there's also negatives, but, you know, we've had a pretty good experience. We've had a couple of guests uh, both of those guests have been there for a couple of months at a time. So that's been a really good You'd have to imagine process. that's not normally the norm. It's good if you can get people that have it for, you know, that long. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, we put a minimum seven-day booking on there. So that kind of attracted that sort of guest. And we, we sort of knew that might happen because there's a lot of people building at the moment and there's building delays. So they've, they're needing to find that kind of medium yeah, term Yeah, just the way that the rental market is, yeah. Exactly, the way the rental market is. Also people moving from over east to Perth. So they want to get here, have be settled in a nice location while they look for their family home. You know, that's happening quite a lot as well. So there's and definitely a market for that at the moment. Do you know how the banks look at the income from Airbnb? Because I believe most you know, don't count it or, you know, certainly prefer a fixed term tenancy for, with a normal tenant 
do you have any insight yet? Of, have you come up against that or is it you just you haven't been back to them? Yeah, so it's an interesting one. I think the banks like to look at it in a way that what is the market rent for that property? Uh, yeah. so, okay. so, you know, let's say we're earning 300 bucks a night on that property. We're not going to get that on our application for a loan, I wouldn't think. If there's any brokers out there that think differently, let me know. <laughs> get in touch. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's more, more the market rent for normally, but also, you know, you've got things like if you bought it in a trust, then if you've got a year's income with Airbnb, then, you know, maybe you could use that as, as income for the property because it's trust income. It's like a business income, I guess. Yeah. Okay, cool. I guess there's quite a few considerations you've got. You've, did you have furniture to set it up as well? Or were you, was it your furniture and you kind of moved out and left it there? That's exactly <laughs> what we did. So we moved around a bit. So we were in Margaret River for 12 months, Okay. came up to Perth, bought a bunch of furniture, moved into that property and, and realized we didn't really want to live in Leadable. I love the suburb, but, um, you know, I, I'm a beach guy, so I love to go surfing. And so we wanted to be near the beach, and that's where I've always lived around the Wemby Down Scarborough area. So, yeah, we're back in Scarborough at the moment, which is really good. And we're, we've got the rent vesting strategy. So that's something I've done for a long time. I've lived in properties that I've owned before, but, um, you know, that can also hold you back on your investment journey. Mm. So when you rent a property out and then rent where you love living, then, you know, that's a really good strategy as well. And it's one that we've adopted. Yeah, I started out rent vesting um, too. And um, you can live in lots of places that you wouldn't otherwise want to buy too as well. <laughs> so Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's you know, it. I mean, if someone's going to go and, you know, want to live in the CBD for a while and be a part of all the action when you're younger, you know, it makes sense to rent an apartment. You wouldn't necessarily want to own that apartment over the longer term either. You could probably do better things with your money. So. That's exactly right. I mean... I'm living literally on top of the sand dunes in Scarborough at the moment. There's no road between my window and the, and the water. Hmm, nice. So it's probably not an apartment I would ever buy. I think they're worth about 1.5 million, but definitely somewhere that we can rent and, and enjoy that, you know. So, you know, you can do in that strategy, you can live exactly where you want to live and invest where it might be good for investing, you know. Yeah, good one. So I guess reflecting back on your journey so far, is there any other advice you'd give for people that are starting out? Yeah, I guess. Good question. <laughs> it is. Like, I think education is, is clearly the first thing to start, you know, open a book and just start reading magazines, jumping on the website. There's so many podcasts and YouTube videos to educate yourself with. And, you know, you can just do that really quickly while you're traveling or commuting to work or anything like that. You could be educating yourself. And then it's a matter of, you know, saving if, if it's your first investment and getting and just getting into the property market. Understanding that it's a long-term game is huge because so many people jump in and then three or five years later, they're like, oh, that our property's gone up 30, 40,000. Let's cash in, you know, or it hasn't gone up. Let's get rid of it. And then that might be just before a big property boom or anything mm -hmm. like that. I've seen it so many times before. And then if you just historically look back at 30 years in the market, 40 years, 
10 years, whatever it might be, maybe not the last 10 years in Perth, but um, long term, then you're going to see that property will generally go up and it's just, it's about being in it for that long-term game and have a long-term plan with a property. So another thing I would say is, is don't be afraid of getting your hands dirty, you know, getting into a property and fixing it up, changing a few things, making it a little bit more attractive to rent and just raising that equity. Mm. And definitely when you're starting out, if I put a lot of sweat equity into to things because yeah, I couldn't afford to hire the painter, but you know, I'm around on my weekends and weeknights scraping walls and painting out, you know, green rooms to, to neutral. Yeah. And, you know, you do those things to get ahead, don't you? Oh, exactly. That's right. And I think it's important and it kind of gives you a little bit of pride in, in your investment property mm-hmm. as well. I definitely don't do as much of it as I used to. I did a renovation in a two bedroom unit in Scarborough many years ago. And I think it took me six months because I'd start doing the floors and then I'd go surfing and then come back <laughs> next weekend. And Maybe and you should have like, chose a location that wasn't uh, exactly yeah probably wasn't the best idea but then i worked out all that rent that i lost over that time is probably negated any gain that i made so yeah (laughs) i've realized that let the pros do it and you know usually it's a better job but i wouldn't say don't do it yourself just make sure that if it's a job that needs a professional then then definitely let them do it Hmm. and what we would just say to people about whether to use a buyer's agent or not i don't know you're biased because you are one (laughs) yeah exactly look i I think having a buyer's agent kind of buys somebody time and Mm. property education as well so if if you're someone who is super dedicated to educate and educate quite quickly and you know you might be right into numbers look like i did engineering for so many years so i love graphs and statistics and that sort of thing and love diving yeah (laughs) (laughs) nothing makes sense to me unless it's in a graph so um i think if you're that kind of person that really wants to dive deep and, and understand property data and you have the time to crawl the internet and check all the property alerts, get in contact with all the agents and build up relationships. It does take a lot of time to do it properly, doesn't it? Oh, 100%. And part of the trouble is you don't know what you don't know. So I think back and I think, oh, yeah, I was doing a good job. But, (laughs) you know... I only knew a fraction of, you know, how to do an amazing job in buying. So, Well, there's so many layers to it. And, yes. you know, and that's why I say if you're that way inclined, then go for it. And I think it's a great learning process because it's a great skill to have. But if, you know, you don't have the time to, to go through and do all that, or you don't want to mix it up with all the other thousands of buyers out there, the retail buyers who are just buying off the internet, then, um, you know, maybe a buyer's agent is someone, someone that you, you'd want to get in touch with. Hmm. Well, we'll put your details in the show notes and your um, buyer's agency is called Rise Property Buyers, isn't it? That's the one, R-I-S-E, Rise Property Buyers. Yeah. So what are you, you've touched on your outlook for Perth a few times, but what are you seeing for the year ahead? It'd be good to get your take. Yeah, I, you know, I'm actually extremely bullish on Perth. I think the interest rates, especially after yesterday, that was always going to happen, another 0.5% rise. Probably going to possibly throw some cold water on the market, but 
I don't think it's going to last a long time because at the end of the day, our stock levels are super low. You know, I think we're at, what, 8,500 yeah. properties, Jared, is that about right? Yeah, 8,230. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, days on market is super low, 16, yeah, 16 odd days. Yeah. And then we're bouncing along, we've been bouncing along the bottom there for a long time. So the fundamentals are there for growth and people may just keep their toe out of the water for a little while because they want to see what's going to happen and the media, all the news articles are saying 30% drops and that sort of thing. Yes, that may happen in Sydney because they're coming off the back of multiple upswings over a long period of time. Hearst coming coming off the back of a five-year downturn, you know, we've had all of the juice squeezed out of our market up until 2019. And we've had a we've had a twenty percent jump or whatever it might be, but that hasn't finished yet in my eyes. I think we've got a lot of ground to make up. Our affordability is at record lows. You know, we haven't been this affordable since two, year two thousand around that kind of area. So I think we've got a lot of ground to make up, especially on those east coast capitals. Yeah, so couldn't agree more. <laughs> You're preaching to the converted. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So yeah, so sunny, your... sunny skies for Perth, I think. Yeah. And what are some of your future property plans? You've obviously got to see out what you do with your leadable one. Have you got anything else on the cards or are you just going to tread water for a bit? Yeah, I think I'm always looking, you know, obviously I, I look at property. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, it's a full-time job. It's, it's what I love doing and you can't not look at property. So I'm always looking for opportunities. I really want to start getting into a commercial. So hmm. I, I'm actually looking into a commercial development wanting to do a, commercial, a small commercial development, you know, whether that's warehouse or coffee drive through or something like that, because there's such great yields with commercial and a lot of those mum and dad investors aren't, the market's not flooded with those kind of investors. So, you know, there might be a few more opportunities there. And it definitely has its place, especially with rising interest rates. And I think yeah. it needs to be the right time for your portfolio too. And yes, I wouldn't be going out and buying a commercial like straight off the bat. That's definitely. my opinion. <laughs> no, that's right. Um, I'm sort of looking at adding some commercial in after I've added one more residential just to start evening out the cash flow on some of my more negatively geared ones that'll provide the growth and increase the asset base and then commercial to balance it out with a bit more income. And that's Definitely. yeah how I see it fitting in. So hundred oh, percent, you know, and that's such a good strategy, you know, obviously residential is great for capital growth and, you know, growing that asset base at some point in the game, you've got to have an exit game from your job, I guess, hmm. you know, everyone's eyeing that exit game and most 99% of people's exit game is superannuation and if you look at the statistics that's just not going to cut it so if you've got to ask yourself you know do you love what you're doing and how long do you want to do it for yes. if the answer to that's yes you do love it as i do i'm not planning to ever really sell the business or get out of what i'm doing it's just yes. more doing more of the things i love day to day but then you have your plan b like if you did want to i want the choice of doing that whereas other clients i speak to are like oh they need to get out of what they're doing they need to bring forward their time horizon you know 
So that kind of person's probably going to want to focus a bit more on income sooner and try to replace it. That's so. exactly right. Yeah. And you know, that's why every, everyone's strategy can be different. And, yeah. and that's why it's about setting your goals and what are your goals? You want to retire at 50 or do you want to retire at 40? Are you happy to work for, you know, up until you're 60 years old? And, and all of those goals can be lined up with a different strategy when you work backwards start with your end goal and then just work backwards from there and you know you can kind of work out a plan over 20 or 30 years whatever your time horizon is and then start implementing oh well that's probably a good place to leave things on <laughs> we can chat all day let's face it we, yeah, exactly. we do when we uh, grab a coffee so we'll have to catch up again some other time and really appreciate you sharing uh, your journey so far yeah no worries at all thanks a lot for having me jared really appreciate it thanks adam all right see ya For free market reports on your suburbs of interest and other helpful resources to grow your wealth, make sure you join my property investor update at investorsedge.com.au slash join. And finally, make sure you're a member of our Perth Property Investment Facebook group. To be part of the conversation with other like-minded investors, get help to your questions and get a feel for what's going on out there in the market. Just a reminder that the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature, as we don't know your specific situation. You should always seek professional advice before taking any action. I'll see you in the group.